Hey, my friends, welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is Andy, Andy Humphrey, your host. This is Andy Humphrey, host of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. Nice to see you today. Thank you for joining me on this blustrous Saturday. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. It's freaking Saturday, guys. I missed my podcast this week. If you can't tell, I have a cold. What a week it was. This was a fantastic week because I get to jump out of, I would say jump out of the irrigation industry just a bit and jump into the green industry. And by that, I mean, go to the equip show and it's the perfect amount of time. I love going for just one night. That kind of seems crazy. However, flying from Traverse City to Louisville is pretty darn easy. So I'm able to get there on Wednesday, right before the show opens, spend Wednesday afternoon, have a whoop, hit my mic there, have a lot of fun Wednesday night, and then spend the whole day Thursday, fly out Thursday night. So that's what I did this week. Saw a lot of great people, had fun hanging out with uh, Justin and Breck at OpConnect, also with um, Andrew and his partner at AW Irrigation coming out of San Antonio, Texas. Appreciate you guys. Uh, the folks at Hunter. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of Hunter, Kevin Battistoni just crushed it, totally crushed it with the Geo Ripper Challenge, uh, especially when he got started, man. He actually took a lead for a bit. And then uh, I think that then the guy finally figured out how to run his Geo Ripper and caught up to Kevin. But holy smokes, did Kevin ever crush his time from last year? I don't know how what the time differential was, but I know last year he came out of there and he was just covered in sweat. And uh, this year he finished off with a round of 50 push-ups when he was done. So Kevin, if you're listening to this, great job, man. You, uh, you're out there representing industry super well. Super, super well, man. So thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for doing that. Thanks for making us laugh. Thanks for raising money for a good cause. And it was awesome entertainment. Can't wait to see what happens next year. Who else did I hang out with a bit this week? Lots of people, too many to name. So if I name any more, I'm going to miss somebody. So those are just a couple that come top of mind. And um, gosh, I would say that people would ask me, all right, Andy, what'd you see? What's new? And I would say uh, more battery equipment, more autonomous equipment. As far as like tech and like hardware tech, I think that that's what I saw the most of. Battery equipment, autonomous equipment. And then a there is a layer of software that I saw, and I see some similar patterns with software. Uh, not surprisingly, actually. Most of the software that I that I saw and the people that I talked with were either doing estimating software, you know, trace your property on a map, and then it will calculate, you know, how much to charge for mowing, blowing, seeding, fertilizing, whatever the services are that you want to offer your customer. You can do it, you know, right through a web browser by either drawing yourself. There was other technology that would do it for you. And then there was other technology that you would put on your website so your customers could do it for them. And all of the different variations of this seem to kind of be 
the same. And again, I'm, uh, this is kind of my 10,000 foot view. Certainly if I spend time and perhaps I will here on the podcast of dialing in and talking to each of the companies and each of the entrepreneurs individually, I could probably uncover what is it that makes their software different than another software, but it does sort of seem like online estimating software for not for irrigation, but for landscape. And when I mean landscape, I don't mean necessarily building a patio or a wall or the construction services, but more maintenance. That type of business is, is there's definitely movement, momentum going online. And if you are a contractor that offers maintenance right now, you can put a, um, you can embed this software into your website and your customers can, uh, essentially add to cart, I guess. And I, and I do like that. They can add to cart. They can do their own estimate, get their own costs, and purchase the service without you. And as it relates to irrigation, I think this might be possible for winterization specifically. I don't know how well somebody could estimate their own new construction yet, even though there are emerging technologies for that, or service, you know, when something's broken, you know, perhaps beyond just sort of the... Uh, the floor price, you know, it's going to be $300 for the service call plus TNM for the work, something like that. But I think that for winterizations, you could, uh, and this is probably how you guys do it. You probably could get an online system that says, you know, how many zones do you have uh, on your system? What is the size of your water source? Maybe a couple other questions like, is the controller outside in the basement, in the garage? You know, do you want to be home when we come there? Those sorts of things. And you could probably get pretty darn close on having your customers self-serve their own winterization and add that service to the cart. So anyway, getting kind of in the weeds here. But beyond that, as it relates to landscaping, you know, traditional mow and blow and snowplow services, uh, there could be, there's probably a million people working on this, an Uber-like opportunity for whichever software provider becomes the leading, uh, the leading provider to rebrand, go direct to consumer, allow consumers to either do their own square footage takeoff and or use uh, satellite mapping services to, to uh, uh, you know, provide the AI services to calculate square footage, take the sale, and then have a network of of independents that own their own lawnmower. And what's fascinating about when you, th when you think this through and you think about, again, there's these great terms like uh, democratization of technology and industry and, you know, a company that used to have 10,000 <laughs> employees will be where, where there was one company that had 10,000 employees, there'll be a thousand companies with 10 employees so if we have a, a, a landscape industry with 100 employees, one, one company with 100 employees, maybe we will have 10 companies with 10 employees, or maybe we'll have 100 companies with one employee. And that is kind of more power to the people. And it's more of like the Uber, right? The, the, the independent, the, the, the Uber opportunity where if you own a car, you can be an Uber driver and you work for yourself. Well, if you want to own a lawnmower that meets the specification of this future company, perhaps there is an Uber-like opportunity for lawn, mow and blow. And again, I'm not the first one to think this through, but this is where my mind was going. As I was walking the floor at the Equip show, talking to a couple of different software vendors that for truly labor-only, non 
technical, non-skilled work, you know, why not just own a great mower that meets specification and have an app that as soon as somebody wants service, you can say, great, I will take that job. Um, anyway, okay, we'll talk about that a future, at a future time, and maybe I can get some of these uh, new and emerging software companies to you know, brain, share that, uh, brain share through that with me. As far as products related to irrigation specifically, I didn't see anything new that y'all haven't seen from the major brands at the Equip Show. So if you were thinking you missed going to the Equip Show to find some new products, you didn't miss anything, but I did find... One company that I wasn't familiar with that is mostly DIY or direct-to-consumer, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. However, they have one new product, which is a wire connector, that really interests me. And I would love to get some of these into your hands for you to try, for you to provide some feedback with. And I would think that, I, I guess I'd say, if you want to sample, reach out to me. Contact me on LinkedIn. Say, hey, Andy, I want to sample these wire connectors. And then I'll work with the manufacturer to get you samples. And it's a company out of uh, Twin, Falls, uh, Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, the gentleman's name is Cody Ketterling. And he's been a contractor for a long time. And he's made a lot of really cool, fascinating products, mostly in regards to raising sprinklers, you know, by an inch or two inches, and uh, there's you can add um, sections to the to the stem. You can add sections to the you can remove the cap and add sections underneath. It's hard to kind of explain a lot of his products in audio format, but he's kind of uh, got a lot of interesting irrigation accessories that I would say some professionals wouldn't use because. Think about it. If you want to raise the sprinkler and you're a professional, what are you going to do? Take the sprinkler out, raise it properly. You're not going to kind of cut a corner or find an easier way to do less digging necessarily. Uh, but you're going to do it the way that you're trained, the way that is you know more professional by replacing it for the long term versus looking for a little bit more of a DIY solution. So Cody's got some great products. He's doing well, I think, through some national hardware chains. And this new wire connector looks really fascinating um, for a couple reasons. I'm going to try to find three. Top of mind, three reasons. All right, Andy. Reason number one, you cannot reuse it. <laughs> and of course, if you're a pro and you're listening to this, of course, you don't reuse your wire connectors. And for those of you that are not familiar with that concept, it's because the, the dielectric gel or whatever type of gel is in there, once you remove it, it is no longer water resistant when you reapply it. It's not like a standard wire connector that doesn't have any gel or compound inside. You can kind of reuse those. But with the, with the products that have gel, you should not reuse them or it will not be water resistant. And so with this connector, because you can't reuse it, you have to cut it off. And that is better for the long-term integrity of a system to put a brand new splice on because a lot of times guys will cut corners and they'll just pull the wire off, test it quick with their <clears throat> multimeter and, and put the wire connector back on. And we even see this with DBRYs and such. And God, it's just, it's painstaking because you shouldn't do it. Just because the valve box isn't full of water today doesn't mean it's not going to be full of water tomorrow. So uh, that's reason number one that you cannot reuse it. Reason number two I like it is because this, from what I've seen, this is the very best mechanical connection I've ever seen. 
And a mechanical connection is one that is, makes it difficult to pull, pull it apart. Okay, so that is, um, as it relates to wire connectors, that is something you should look for, is a wire connector that makes it difficult to pull apart. And this one is almost impossible. The way that it twists is so darn tight, I, I don't know that you even could pull it apart. And basically inside the connector, there's a copper rod from what I understand. And when you stick each end of the wire in and you twist, it is tightly wrapping each wire over this copper, this piece of copper so that it's got an even, it's almost a better connection than you could even do on your own without a connector. There's, it's, you know, it's just, it's super tight. So that's the reason number two that I like it as a mechanical connection is awesome. And then uh, the last reason is because it's, it's clean. It's in line. So you can do like uh, two wires to one wire or two wires to two wires, but it's clean and it's in line. And so um, I think that this, this type of a splice would make valve boxes just more orderly and, and easier to see what's going to what. And um, again, it's kind of hard for me to describe. I will put a link to a YouTube video that I just quickly shot and quickly uploaded here today just to give you an idea on how the connector works. This connector is only good from 18 gauge to 22 gauge, so you can't use it for 16 or 14 gauge or even larger size wires. Uh, so let's consider it residential. It would also be pretty badass for... Uh, underground dog fences. I know that I've accidentally cut mine a couple times and sometimes splicing those together is just kind of a pain because you have to, um, you know, put a jumper in there because there's not enough slack sometimes to, to re-splice into a traditional gel-filled wire connector. So you got to put a jumper. And I think that this would just be, I mean, I think Cody's got, there, there's a large enough business selling this one connector into un the underground dog fence market for him, I think. So anyway, uh, take a look at it. That's my that's my number one product product takeaway from the Equip Show is the KJ Kettering. What does he call it? The um, K it K I T K it connector connector with a K. I'll put a video so that you can see it. I'll make the thumb I'll make the thumbnail of this episode a picture of the connector. And um, again, I think that you know sometimes. Sometimes when you're using new and innovative products, it does make sense to show your client because it could add value. So in this case, if again, if you're bidding a system and you're having an introductory call, introductory you know, meeting, a meet and greet with your client, you might toss a couple of these in your pocket and uh, show them. Again, I, I don't have any proof or evidence that this works better. I'm just, as a, as a way of, as a point of differentiation in your company, if you can find new innovative ways to stand out from your competition, I think that adds value to you winning a project. And perhaps because a wire splice is something very tangible, it is one of the only things the customer sees. They open the valve box, they see the cleanliness of your valve, they see your wire splices, they, they see the types of splices they're using, everything else is buried, that it might be an opportunity to show them how you're incorporating you know, the latest Again, I guess, technology, hardware, innovation in the system to protect the long-term integrity. And again, maybe this wire splice doesn't work at all. I, it could. It may not. <laughs> I'm not saying it does. I just see it. It caught my attention. So take that for what it's worth. Test it on your own. Buy a bunch. Put them in. Um, 
buy a bunch, wire something up, stick it in a pond, see how long it lasts. I love testing shit like that. Put it in a bucket of water, run electricity through it, see what happens. Those are all fun experiments. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much. I missed this week's episode by one day, but I wanted to get one out here for you anyway. So again, thank you for listening. As always, thank you for sharing this episode or any other episode with a friend, a colleague, or anyone else you think would be interested in irrigation and landscape technology or what's going on in the mind of Andy. Have an awesome week. I will catch you on the next episode next Friday. Cheers. Bye-bye.